Let's go up to our ring announcer. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode. And is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. Wrestling fans, and welcome back to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. This is episode number 43 on Monday, August 7th, 2017. I, of course, am Joe Morata, alongside the one and only Michael Quinn. How you doing today, Quinn? Howdy doody. Welcome to August, my friend. Wow, August already. Summer's flying on by, man. I can't believe it. It's almost SummerSlam. It's almost SummerSlam. It's almost uh, Scott Keith time. He'll be yeah. joining us. That'll be nice. I feel like I've been saying it's almost SummerSlam, like, all summer. <laughs> well, it is almost SummerSlam. It's always almost SummerSlam in the summer. Well, the day after SummerSlam, it's almost SummerSlam. It's almost SummerSlam. Folks, thank you as always for joining us. We are proud and happy to talk to you about the world of retro wrestling. Glad to be back with you for another week. We've got some great topics for you. I know that because I get to kick off the show. But before we get to any of that, I just want to remind you of the usual suspects here. You can reach us on Twitter at OVP Podcasts, and there you can kind of tweet stuff at us or maybe send us funny GIFs. Yeah, the, the GIFs or GIFs. <laughs> yeah, the GIFs. You can contact us that way. We like that yeah we like it fun times yeah and of course you can email us at ovp podcast at gmail.com that is ovp podcast at gmail.com we do get the emails quinn yeah we do read them i try to respond yep. although the last one i responded to i i had a big long thing and i <laughs> yeah. and i put all these links to youtube videos so someone could see it and it didn't seem like that was their email anymore <laughs> yeah what was that about i saw that come back yeah i i was so sad because i got him all these cool links to dvds or whatever was that some kind of prank i don't know <laughs> it seemed legit yeah, but it, did. it didn't seem fake or anything well folks if you have a legitimate email please feel free to email us at <laughs> ovppodcast at gmail.com quinn we have a facebook group and it's a really great time with our community and our fans yeah you can go on there if you uh search our vantage point retro wrestling podcast you'll see the facebook group not to be mixed up with the facebook page <laughs> right if you click on that there'll be a join button and uh you can join we'll approve you and you can talk about the old wrestling old wrestling i went on a bit of a spree recently did you know? just throwing out random one-liners i and saw fake that. wrestler quotes and stuff so you might get that kind of stuff sometimes our fans post some really funny suggestions and topics yeah. and things like that you know speaking of the suggestions we we get a lot of them we got so many actually that we decided to make a spreadsheet quinn yes there's a spreadsheet now and actually, it's on the OVP.com website. I recently uh, webmastered it up. And <laughs> there's, if you look on the top bar of the site, or if you're on the mobile version, if you click menu, you'll see suggestions, and that will lead you to the spreadsheet where yep. you can edit it. Exactly. And uh, I think that's working out very well, actually. It is. It, better than expected. Better than expected. So we have that, and you can... Obviously, you know, find us on various platforms besides SoundCloud. Quinn, what are some of those these well, days? Well, there's Apple Music or iTunes. Yep. And over there, you can subscribe. Yep, you sure you can, can. You can leave a review. And mm. you can do that, and the podcast will end up in your little pod thing. And you can also help other fans find the podcast through the, the review part. Yes. And uh, where else are we besides that, Quinn? We're on Google Play Music, Stitcher, yep. Blueberry, Auto. Auto. 
FM player. Who all, cares? Whoa. Yes, yeah. There it is. And other various places. <laughs> yes. Too many to count at this point. Too many to count. But one that does count, of course, would be the place to be nation.com. Yes. If you're not listening to us on there, why don't you head on over there and listen to us again? <laughs> because there's some great podcasts on there. We happen to be one of them. There's the place to be podcast. Uh, Quinn's a fan of that. You know, the mother thip. The gold standard. The gold standard. As they call it. And of course, we got to shout out our friend, our little brother, Petey Winson. Yeah, Petey. <laughs> he does a great show that's on their pro wrestling only feed, and it's called Greetings from Allentown, as that's, he says. That's a big name for a little <laughs> name like Petey. <laughs> but it's a great show, Quinn. I know you really like it. I like it. Yeah, they, they talk in review... Or he does, not yes. they. One man show. Yeah, one man show. He reviews old shows like we do, yes. kind of. But it, he's even more. Well, we're both kind of random, I guess. But he seems more random, though. You think? I think Petey's a little more random. We'll have to have a random contest. We'll start calling him Random Petey. Random Petey. <laughs> but anyway, check him out, GF Allentown. And also, Quinn, last Monday we were special guests on another great podcast, the wrestling podcast about nothing. The WPAN. The WPAN. So why don't you check those guys out, too? It's Mike Crockett and the kingpin, Brian Malonis. Yes. We had a lot of fun doing that, We did job. have a lot of that fun was, talking about the merch. Yeah, that was super fun. That was a lot of fun. So thank you guys for that. All right, Quinn, I think we've got all the plugs out of the way. I think it's time to start the show. I think so. So we are kicking off, of course, with Why Did They Bother? And uh, that's our Season 5 format. And just to recap what that is, each week, Quinn and I will alternate presenting something to each other and you, the fans, where we're wondering, why did they bother with this? And they, meaning a promotion, maybe a wrestler, a gimmick, anything like that, right? Well, this is actually a request, but I think both of us had already thought of this one. It is from Filippo Festuccia. It's a hard name to say. And he wants us to talk about why did they bother with the ECW in WWE? (laughs) No, 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 no. (laughs) Yeah, I... I don't know why they bothered, but I guess we'll we'll dig into it <laughs> we'll because dig into it. it wasn't very good. Now, folks, you've heard us talk, of course, about Extreme Championship Wrestling, and we both like it, and it has its flaws, obviously, but it was a bit of a maverick promotion, a bit of a revolutionary promotion from 92, 93 up until 2001 when it closed, and at the helm was Paul Heyman, Quinn. One of the best of all time. Visionary. One of the best bookers of all time. Yep. Great promotion all around, if you ask me. I, You know, it, it hit its, its lows, but that was due to stress on paul's part and not he was running everything yeah exactly so you know it's a one-man show here Mm -hmm. so what can you expect and some of the things that made ecw so different and so unique was the overall gritty and dark atmosphere and attitude about the way it was produced it was very realistic for for wrestling it was more raw than raw it was more raw than raw is a very good way to put it it was a rejection of the cartoony larger than life style that wwf was imploring at the time and wcw because they were emulating this ain't wcw this ain't monday night raw this ain't smackdown this ain't even wwe this my friends is ecw they turned the fact that they had low production values into a style. Mm-hmm. And that that's always one of the things ECW, I think, definitely gets seen as. It, there's It's an atmosphere. It's You're in these gritty arenas, but the fans are just all into it. And it's, oh, it's dedicated. Just, a, just great promotion all Among, around. Amongst one of the most loyal fan bases, I'd say, of any promotion ever. 
Oh, no doubt about it. Eclipsing ROH and TNA and all those guys. Yep. But. <laughs> Big but. That, that promotion closed its doors in early 2001, and Paul Heyman showed up on WWF television. We all know that. He Very was, shortly after. We're live here in D.C. I'm Jim Ross, and they already know who you are, so tell them who I am now. I'm joined by Paul Heyman. I'm joined by Paul WWF, WWE, I should say, acquired the rights to ECW and its video library in 2003. Yes. They didn't do too much with it. They put out a DVD, a great DVD set. That was the start of it. And it sold well. And it sold very well. uh, Joe, I would say I think that's probably why they bothered. Yes. (laughs) That's reason number one, right? Is because ECW had something of a revolution in 2005. Not only the DVD, Quinn... But a fantastic pay-per-view backed by WWE called One Night Stand. Hello, everyone, and welcome to ECW One Night Stand. And that show. Fantastic show, folks. One of the best pay-per-views post the Attitude Era I've ever seen. Absolutely. From From the WWE. Hammerstein Ballroom, Joey Styles on commentary. Fantastic Mike Awesome versus Masato Tanaka match on it. Great match. That was a reunion done right, so I don't blame them for giving it another crack the next year, if you recall. Yes, they did, and they tried, and this is where they tried to integrate ECW into the kayfabe of the WWE. And that was the first warning shot. However, there was something very notable there, and that was Rob Van Dam defeating John Cena, John, Super Cena, yes, for the ECW or for, sorry, WWE for title, WWE title with the help of Edge. That period of time, however, is where Vince decided, well, this is going so well, yeah. we're going to make ECW our brand. Right. So they at that point, they had two brands, yes. as they like to call them, Raw and SmackDown, which, you know, it, it's back to that today. But I know if you haven't been watching in the last year or two, um, it wasn't the, always. You know, it wasn't. They, they had gone away with that. So they were back doing you know, the, the Raw and SmackDown brand, and they said, why don't we have a third one, and yep. it'll be ECW, because holy shit, it's so successful. Yep. So you can't blame them for giving it a shot, and for the first couple of months, it was done differently than Raw and SmackDown. If you recall, camera angles were different. It had a little tiny bit of an ECW look to it. Now, this was due to two things. Yes. Paul was at the helm, and Vince had, I, I've heard, promised that he would not interfere. He'd let... Basically, here's the money, Paul. You yep. don't have to worry about the money or the business anymore, and just do what you were doing at ECW. Right. That was supposed. That was supposed to be the deal, right. right? Just recreate your ECW magic, right? And I'll leave you alone. And but the pro- this is the second factor about that whole why it looked different thing is when WWE got the TV deal to where to place ECW. Right? Mm-hmm. They settled on Sci-Fi Network, <laughs> yes, who was. Under the NBC umbrella. Yep, NBC um, Universal. So WWE had an existing partnership mm-hmm. with that company. So Sci-Fi was the kind of the only place they could put another program on. Correct. And Sci-Fi previously didn't have any wrestling. No. Yeah. <laughs> no one watched Sci-Fi. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but my my point is, is this Sci-Fi-ness, uh-huh. the network initially 
wanted to inject sci-fi elements into ECW, which sounds really freaking weird. Yes. But so you have Paul on the one hand, he can do whatever he wants, mm-hmm. but he has this caveat of because of the network, which is what he tried to escape in the first place. With TNN. With, with, TNN was, you know, in the past for ECW, it, yep. it had put network restrictions. So right from the get-go, Paul's walking into a situation where the sci-fi network is making him put characters on it, like the zombie right. and things like that. The zombie zombie or even the boogeyman was actually because of that and even that kevin thorn guy the vampire the vampire yes. with a girl that was a vampire too yeah. i don't even remember her name no elvira one, or whatever no one does yeah. <laughs> elvira. that's not my name that's not my name so that was kind of not so good and basically in 2007 not long after this thing launched it kind of became another wwe-ified program yeah, well, the big breaking point for the program was the first ECW pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. One um not not one night stand, right. but the December to Dismember pay-per-view. Awful. Now this comes along and they're gonna say they're gonna say, listen, ECW is gonna have pay-per-views now too. It's not gonna be as frequent, mm-hmm. but here we go, right? Yep. And the champion, I believe, was Rob Van Dam still at that point in late two thousand six. Okay. I could be mistaken. Yeah, but it sounds about right. But all you really need to know is that Vince, who was pushing Bobby Lashley at the time. <sighs> Sent him over to ECW, and the idea was that Paul would get Bobby Lashley over, (sighs) and he basically told Paul that night, you know, Lashley, you're going to put Lashley over whoever the champion was. I'm almost positive it was RBD. It doesn't doesn't really matter. The point is, is Lashley was going over an ECW guy, and Paul quit the WWE over it. And I don't blame him. Yes. Because, A, not only was Bobby Lashley at that time, I know he is vastly improved, but that was over 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, an unproven commodity. He was green. He was very, very green. green and couldn't talk. Let's look at the hype man. Let the hype man do it. And is just not a character that you could build around in, in Paul Heyman's version of an ECW, let alone yeah. the WWE in general. He was too green for that situation. Correct. Um, not, not that Paul can't work with crap. He can. Right. But Paul likes to, you know, build them up from the bottom and make them his characters. The, Lashley was already, Vince, even though he was green, he was established as a big smiley baby yeah. face who shaved Donald Trump's head and yeah. all this crap. He was Vince's boy. Yeah. You know? And, you know, one of the few because I, we can't talk about every single detail of this, obviously. Right. One of the few funny things, and this should say a lot about how great this promotion was, this brand was, that I really liked about it, is when Vince McMahon won <laughs> the ECW World Heavyweight title, I believe from Bobby Lashley yes. with help from Umaga or something like that. Yes, it was. It, this was part of the attempt to make Bobby Lashley have to comp- you know, compete against Vince, just like Austin. It's yeah. just going to be like Austin, right? Ugh. Here we go! This is it! Vince McMahon on top! I can't believe this! But Vince ends up winning the title, and this is my favorite version of Vince as well. Yeah. Um, the do-rag wearing, because yep. he had just had his head shaved, because it was all involved in the Trump thing. Yep. And, like, he, he wears a do-rag, and he's hardcore Vince McMahon. <laughs> so funny. And he was really good. He was fun. And that made ECW fun for a little bit, was watching Vince, uh, he would strut around yep. and wear the do-rag and wrestle like he was hardcore. Sure. What's up, Holmes? Peace out. The champ is here. 
and it was great. And he wear I my favorite is when he wear the suit and yes, the do rag and, and the title around his waist while wearing a suit. Yeah, it was he looked great. like an idiot. It was it was so stupid that it was funny. But here's the problem. And this is why it was so far off from the original, yeah. you know, uh, morals of ECW, whatever you want to call it. Is even though they brought in guys like. Sandman and his old ass, right? And yeah. they brought in Tommy Dreamer. Which, they were old, but they weren't, they could still, like, at least establish it. And they were like, still names, yeah, right? Yeah, they were still names. 2006, yeah. 2007. And Tommy Sab- Dreamer. Sabu. Yeah. Right? They brought in these guys. They also tried to inject these new guys. Like, I wasn't CM Punk in ECW? Well, I, I was gonna say. So, CM Punk was the big prize. Right. He's the guy Paul wanted. Yes. Paul was going to center the thing around him i've I've heard him say this and i don't blame him that's the, good the, the idea was punk was going to be the guy that paul started from scratch with mm-hmm. and brought him to the top okay but paul was out before that could happen and i think eventually punk became the ecw champion he was. but you know it didn't happen the way and it, and it to me it delayed punk's prominence too i agree it was almost a waste of his time to me this ecw relaunch reminded me of being a kid and only having a limited number of action figures to reenact your wrestling with. Yeah. It was like they were able to get Sandman, yeah, and Sabu. And, and CM Punk. And CM Punk and a couple of token old ECW guys. But they mixed into it, you know, Kevin Thorne. Right. And Elijah Burke. Yes. And oh, God. A bunch Elijah of Burke, guys yeah. like that. And not only that. I could swear, and I'm not, I don't feel like looking this up. Wasn't Jack Swagger the ECW champion at one point? Uh, yes. Why? I don't know. Actually, hold on. Was he? I know yeah. Mark Henry was. Yeah, and that was like, the thing. I know, Big, Christian. Big Show, Big I think. Show. Well, Big Show was like the second champ. Okay, that's what... Yeah, Big Show was a champion, Why? too. Why? Well, because Paul liked him a lot. But but here's the thing. Paul, Paul was behind the Big Show thing. I don't care. I, see, as a fan, that makes no sense to me. Why are we taking in a brand that's supposed to be crafted by Paul Heyman and just dragging guys from WWE into it? Well, think think about the Big Show. <laughs> this this might be... and I, I'd rather not. But think about Paul. Okay. What was one of his signature okay, yeah. signature things? Nine one one. Nine one one. Nine one one wasn't the yeah. champion. No, he but, wasn't the star of the you company. Know, I I think Paul had a soft spot for having a big overbearing champion. Like that's what he tried Ryan to build Rhino to be. And Rhino was talented. Yeah, like Rhino was that, good. To me, to me, that's that's a Paulism was the Big Show stuff. Sure. Ultimately, the fate to wrap up here of this is it kind of became just another WWE brand that happened to yeah. use the letters. ECW. Yeah. By the end of it, it was it was Christian was the champion forever. Yeah. I want to say Matt Hardy was ECW he champion. Was. Yeah. And it was kind of a manufactured extreme, which yeah. fans hate. Yes. And this is the wrong property to make <laughs> manufactured that way. Because yes. the whole point of it was was that it was organic. Correct. Which leads us back to why did they bother, really? Exactly. I mean, like, why would you bother if it can't it can't exist organically within the WWE ecosystem. Mm-hmm. It's right. impossible. Right. They should have just called it OVW because that was their developmental at the time and had it be that. In fact, it became it. NXT, the game show version, well, took it inherited the time slot. That it wasn't, time slot. It wasn't the same wrestlers Correct. or anything. But that was the ultimate fate as in early 2010. Yeah. They had enough of this, this third brand here. And they used to treat it like it was the ECW world title mattered and stuff, you know? Yeah, they, they wanted it to be equal. But it never was. 
was. But I think that also was more because they also wanted the SmackDown title to be equal. Probably. So they, they, you know, by default, ECW title has to be equal as well. So I'm going to pose this question to you, Quinn, to, to close out. And again, folks, if you have memories of this, feel free to share them with us. We we intentionally are just giving an overview here. Yeah. We can't do, we're not doing an hour <laughs> on yeah. this. But the overall feeling that I have is that it was a promising concept that only lasted a couple of months. And I want to pose this question to you, Quinn, about uh, whether or not they should have bothered with the the branding. Do you think if they would have just had a third show, had some more experimental characters like they did, and did a lot of the same things, bring in some veterans and maybe try to make it a third brand, but had nothing to do with the ECW branding, do you think it would have been more successful? No. You really don't? I, I, at that time, no. So do you think this was the best thing they could have done if they wanted to add a third brand? I do, because okay. they had the ECW name recognition. Fair enough. I think ultimately what sunk the thing was injecting the WWE anti-ECW characters. Right. And because not- it didn't have enough time to foster uh, like to the new audience that had not seen ECW. It didn't have enough time to settle like this is ECW. That's a good point. Honestly, and without Paul at the helm, the brink was dead in the water. You're right. And everyone knew that. You're right. I mean, without six, Paul, it's nothing. Six months later, Vince was the champion. That right. should tell you something. Exactly. And I think, as always, you know, it's very fitting that whenever Vince brings in something that used to compete against him, we talked about NWA last week, he always gets his grubby hands all over yeah. it and turns it into something where, as always, Vince is victorious. Yeah. And even, I think, to be fair to Vince here, he had the best of intentions. But For a him, few months, yes. him and Paul was like oil and vinegar. I agree, and and it wasn't it wasn't gonna mesh. No, it wasn't and, gonna mesh. You're and right. they they did try. I will give them credit. Paul wanted to do it. Vince wanted to do it. And you know, once they Bobby Lashley is where they butted heads, basically, <laughs> essentially. Yeah, no, you're right. Well, folks, speaking of butt heads, we will be back right after this. <laughs> what, 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 the, what the hell is this? Wait a minute, Joe. Ladies and gentlemen, the following contest is scheduled for one fall. Introducing first, the zombie. The zombie? Zombie? What is a rip? What is this? I can can assure everyone watching the world premiere of ECW on Sci-Fi, the zombie is, well, not an offering of ECW or Sci-Fi. The zombie? Hey, look, I spent a lot of time in ECW. What the hell is this? I, I, I never saw no zombie. I, look, he's an ugly-looking look, ugly SOB. I don't think he's the new breed of leash, that's for sure. That's riveting right there. To Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, to The Rock, Sting, to Steve Austin, you're listening to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for being with us for episode number 43, Monday, August 7th, 2017. Quinn, it is time for Mount Rushmore and Death Valley, where each week we will put four of the best of something onto Mount Rushmore, and four of the worst go down into the desert of Death Valley. Quinn, you've got the pick this week. Where are we talking? Well, uh, this was another suggestion by Gary Fay. 
uh, on our boards, and you can leave suggestions on the OVP suggestion Excel spreadsheet. Suggestion he, box. Yeah, suggestion box, I guess. He had a good one. I thought I thought about this one for like a week now, and I, I thought this was a really, really good one. So this week's Mount Rushmore in Death Valley is... Pushes. Pushes. All right, Quinn, what's a push? A push in by definition for this mm-hmm. is going it's not like a heel turn or a face turn okay. of an established character. Okay. It is a push literally what it is. It, it, you're being pushed up. Okay. So for example, you're a jobber, right? Yep. And they're pushing you to be mid carter. Or you're a mid carter and they're pushing you to be a main eventer. Like an elevation. Like okay. an actual like elevation promotion within the story, kayfabe, whatever. Okay, and what would determine a good push versus a bad push? Like, a good push actually turns out where the person, they don't need to be pushed any longer. They're just, they are actually established. Whereas a bad push is you pushed them, and they didn't become established. They failed, they tanked, okay. whatever. It didn't work out. Perfect. And you had the pick, so I have the stick, right? Yes. <laughs> All right, I'm going to give you one that I think is a great push that comes to mind, and it's in WCW, and that would be the push of Bill Goldberg from nobody yes. to world champion. That is a great example to start with. Bill Goldberg, the way they, they brought him in literally you thought he was the jobber to another guy. <laughs> right. Like, I, I believe it's humorous, although I argue in my my own brain kayfabe that he fought someone on Saturday night he didn't, and, like, beat him, but... He didn't. Regardless. It was humorous. It was humorous, and humorous was, you know, he was a guy looking for a push, almost. Yes, exactly. Right? It was so a you, mid-carter. You just thought he was coming to fight this guy, beat him on Nitro, and that would be the end of it, right? Yeah, but oh, no, no. Muscles him up! Combination slam! Goldberg just comes in there and beats him in two seconds. It was awesome. And you're like, what? Yeah. It was very surprising. <laughs> very. And, and even the announcers were were acting a bit stunned, like, whoa, uh, this this up-and-comer guy, this Bill Goldberg, we've never heard of him. He, he just beat Hugh Morris. That's pretty crazy. Yep. Gene tried to interview him on the ramp, didn't say a word, barely talked. And before you know it, the guy's got an undefeated streak. He's then the U.S. champion. Then he beats Hulk Hogan in July of 98. I mean, talk about the prototypical successful push. Yes. Not only... Did he go on this streak? Mm-hmm. Not only did he win a mid card title in the process, so he goes to mid card, but all within the same push, he goes to main eventer and household name. I would say absolutely. Uh, I mean, rivaling only the likes of DX and Austin in that in time. terms of popularity, absolutely. And that match where he beat Hulk Hogan, it's the most viewed Nitro ever of all time, if I recall. Huge ratings win for Nitro um, in the Georgia moment. Dome. In the Georgia Dome, I mean, it's a, a the Georgia Dome is big. This place was sold out. Forty-something thousand, I think. Forty-something thousand within a week it was a of gr- announcing it. It was a great, great push. And regardless of how Goldberg lost, the push worked. Oh, yeah. It, it's one of the most successful pushes ever. It, to me, it's the reason that they were still able to bring Goldberg this year at WrestleMania. Exactly. I mean, exactly. Like, people still remember that. That one year of 1998, you know, late 97 to, to late 98, yeah. that was the push, and it worked. And I think it, people, it's hard to look back for people who weren't there for it and understand it, and it was, 
it was like a snowball effect. It was it was unbelievable at yeah. the time. It, it it'd be like if some jobber came in today mm-hmm. and beat a mid carter and within six months he was beating Cena, right, uh Nakamura, sure, uh Nakamura, Roman Reigns, yeah, and all the, all these guys all in the matter of of you know six months. What was it? Yeah, it was Maybe great. It was months. six, eight months, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I mean that would be my pick, but uh usually we volley. Do you want to throw one at me? This one's also a quick one and I think it's the most obvious one of all of them. Okay. Hulk Hogan. The push from when he uh not originally entered his second run in the WWF. Eighty-four to, from guy that we knew as a weird heel in this promotion, <laughs> right? Who fought Andre the Giant and was just kind of a big, not fat, but you know, like almost in that vein of big fat just heel, a big heel, yeah, big heel. To comes into the WWF and within a month is the yeah. world champion. Yeah, well, his his return was when he saved uh, Backlund from the Samoans, right? Right. Earlier in January of 84. Right. And by January 23rd, you know, that famous day, he's in Madison Square Garden and beats the Sheik in about five minutes yes. for the world title. He's going up. Hulk Hogan, he dropped the big leg on him. He's now for the cover of the leg. One, two, he's got him. So this is a push from kind of, I mean, I understand that within the territories and he, and he was in the movie and everything, but not in wrestling had he been treated like this before let's no. put it that way and even awa try as they might or maybe <laughs> despite themselves you know he wasn't quite the star that vince immediately turned him into right vince saw that he could be that and the power of this push is in the fact that i was saying household name of goldberg before yeah but hulk hogan is like a next level the, thing after this like the he, household name the of wrestling face of professional wrestling as a whole yes that's a push. That was <laughs> that is a freaking push. I, I have to agree with you. Hogan's run from January of eighty four, winning, winning the title. Yeah, I it, wouldn't say the whole run is the no, push, but the but that started in January of eighty four, and really he wasn't quote unquote de pushed for a long time. I would say the push, if you want to talk just the push itself. Yeah, I want to say the push is when he comes in main eventer. But the real, like, over-the-top, the, the the finale of the push is probably against Andre at WrestleMania three. That's the grand, like, now he's, like... He doesn't need to be pushed anymore. He doesn't need to push anymore. I say that's right on the money, Quinn, because right. from that moment on, the body slam of Andre, which killed him, and then, remember, yeah. Andre died yeah, a few Yeah, he died, later. according to Hogan, yes. It's really sad. I wrestled Andre the Giant with these boots on, and then a couple days later, he passed on. And pinning him, you know, defeating the supposedly undefeated Andre the Giant, that was it. Push successful. Right. 93 or 78, if you need to be Dave Meltzer, thousand people, you know, saw that, right? And they wanted to see it. They 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 came to see Hulk Hogan. And not only that, they were able to ride that match to primetime television in February of the following year. Yes, but the the push was no longer there. No, but that's, it didn't need to be. No. He was officially, officially Hulk Hogan from from that point forward. He didn't even need the title anymore. That's how, that's how effective the push was. Absolutely. So I think we've got an interesting situation here, Michael, because Mm -hmm. Goldberg and Hogan, I think, I can't get knocked off of this. Yeah, it's also interesting to think that Goldberg's push <laughs> is peaks at beating Hogan. That's very, very poetic. Yes. I don't think either of them can get knocked off of this, and I have no real reservations about doing a double selection to start if you're okay For with it. Hogan and Goldberg, I mean, 
do you want to throw because i think there's a lot of there's there might be a lot of good pushes that's the only thing okay we have to put uh hogan on i think hogan's bigger than goldberg I th- at the very and, and I if think that's so. the case i think it's so. gonna be hard to match goldberg so i think okay. we could put one in let's put hogan on then goldberg could very well be in i All just right. don't want to just throw two because i i think there's a lot of good pushes okay. no problem so let's go with hulk hogan's wwf push yes for number one All right, Michael, I got another one for you. Sure. And it's another WCW one. Okay. Diamond Dallas Page in 96. Diamond Dallas, very good push. Went from a mid-carter who no one, and he was already old. He was yes. like 40, and no one cared really. It was like, okay, he's decent, he's fun, you know what I mean? It was mm-hmm. that Johnny B. Bad feud that yes. was the first notable thing he really did. He rode that to coming back, saying no to the NWO, yes. and before you know it, he's feuding with Randy Savage, and he's in the mid-card. Yeah, if you recall, he had the silent benefactor after he was bankrupted by by Johnny B. Bad. That's right, yeah. Um, It brought him back, and that's to me where the push starts. His trunks, his look, everything changes. The diamond Cutter. Yes, the diamond cutter comes into effect. Yep. And he is just he rode it on that diamond cutter. If you ask me, absolutely. It, the idea was that you 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 paid to see DDP somehow hit the diamond cutter in some weird way that you weren't expecting, even though you were expecting the diamond cutter, mm-hmm. you didn't know where it was going to come from. Absolutely, that was uh, the RKO before the RKO. Yes. had that you know mentality, and DDP you know had a great mid card run. He was almost yeah. pushed from no Carter. You know what yeah. I mean? From ninety four, ninety five. Great upper mid-card run in 96 and yes. 97. And then he's in the world title scene at points in 98-9. It, it was eclipsed. That that push, his 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 from nothing to mid-card push was very much eclipsed by his from mid-carder to main event push. And Randy Savage had a lot to do with that. Yes. He also feuded with Goldberg, if I think, you recall. I think just the work with Hall and Nash refusing them. That that whole Fantastic. angle what that helped DDP that set him apart. It's like this guy isn't going to be a stooge mm-hmm. for the NWO like a lot of the guys at the time. Right, exactly. And and here's why I think this is one of the best pushes ever, specifically because it took who had been a non wrestler up until the early '90s, a manager, yeah. a talker, and old for wrestling standards. Forty years old when yes. he got this push, right? Probably where he where you should be at your peak. Right, exactly, and maybe on the downturn after yeah, that, right? Exactly. It turned him into another household name for WCW for a couple years too. For a few years, he had a great run, so much so that Vince, you know, was willing to pick him up. He did dick with him. I mean, it yeah. was terrible that Vince took him. In I and mean, to be fair, I think it wasn't right what happened, but at the same time, you have to see what Vince is looking at, and it's, right. he was like 45, 46 at Absolutely. that point. Absolutely. Like, so, I what are you going to do with this guy? Totally agree, but I don't know the DDP's push beats Goldberg still. No, it doesn't. Okay. So do you have another one we can throw out there? See what we're doing here? I actually have one, and you got to think long-term with this one, right? Okay. And it is based off a heel turn, but it's it's really his push. Okay. Because I'm thinking of Chris Jericho in WCW. And let me make my case. Sure, go ahead. Um, Chris Jericho came in as a big smiley baby face, right? Yes, he did. The Lionheart. Perennial, I guess, like, lower mid-carder. He was like 93 Tito Santana. You know, yeah. Honestly. Yeah, like, kind of, you know, he was there and Mm -hmm. people liked him, but it it wasn't like anything. I agree. When he makes the heel turn, to me, that's his true push. Yes, in 97. And, And he becomes a smart aleck, and he starts winning. He he just, he could, couldn't be beaten for a long time. It's true. It led to a great feud with Dean Malenko. You're a disgrace to your family, Malenko. You're a failure. You could never wrestle. 
Your brother sure can't wrestle, and your father certainly can't wrestle. And you call your mediocre career a tribute? The reason I'm even talking about it mm-hmm. is, is because, to me, it was a snowball effect of what would happen to him as you know Chris Jericho's career went on. There would be no Chris Jericho if it wasn't for this... He set the stage for what his character was in this push. I agree with you. And it, and it established Chris Jericho as not just a pushover. He's no a guy that could, yeah, he could win titles and sure. you know, he was he was savvy and he could get around things and mm-hmm. you know, it established what Chris Jericho was and I still Chris Jericho is still going today. Yeah, but and it made him a viable um commodity that right. Vince wanted to pick up in 99 when he right. was done with WCW and of course we know what happened from there. Welcome to However, I still don't know if you can compare that to Goldberg. I don't think you can compare it to Goldberg. I'm just saying I think it's it's significant and as far as it's a push that while on the surface at the time maybe seemed like, oh, they're just elevating Chris Jericho. I don't think people understood the the longevity and the power that that would have okay. going forward. I think it's a good suggestion. Yeah, I have one for you. Sure. Steve Austin, 96. Uh, yeah, and that, you know. that, that, is, that is a great push. He was nothing. Let's be honest. He was the ringmaster. He was the ringmaster. We've talked about that and feuded with Savio Vega endlessly. Good feud, though. But yeah. it was a mid-card feud, and that's all it was going to be. He was saddled with a mid-card gimmick, you know? Right. And he had a mid-card manager, Ted DiBiase. Yes. And he was nothing. Now, winning the King of the Ring was great, and he did the Austin 316 promo. Well, to me, that's the birth of the push. It was. It, it really is. It even was. Even though WWE Revisionist it, likes to say, like, immediately it started rolling. Right. But it did start it. It started it. It lied dormant for about three or four months. And then the Bret Hart feud, as I always right. talk about, one of the best things that they ever did WWF, mm-hmm. like one of the best feuds ever, right? Right, and this was the push. And this point. was the push, and it was a great one because Austin was all over the television, but he was never, you never got sick of watching him. In fact, Quinn, you had this promo from, I guess, 97 that you were watching. Yeah, I almost wish you could it. put it in right here. <laughs> I can't put it in right here, except I can do it right now. He deserves an opportunity. He deserves to get his ass kicked. Mankind is a freak, and that's the bottom line. The fact of the matter is, I just soon let the WWF take my partner because they screw me all the time anyway. It sucks. I don't really care uh, who it heard, is, and that's the this. bottom line. Shut up, bitch. Now, wait don't a minute. You're not alive. You're just not alive. It sucks. That's yeah, my it favorite sucks. line. Yeah. <laughs> and this was the attitude of Austin, and this is the attitude of the WWF. He is the point at which the WWF changes as a whole. Yes. And it's all during his push. I would say his push lasted from that moment at the King of the Ring to WrestleMania 14. 100%. That is the push. He did no longer needed the push because he had ascended to where they intended yeah. him to be. Right. Right? They, they started him from King of the Ring winner. And you knew they, they always wanted to make a King of the Ring winner the world champion. That yep. was always kind of the, the flow of things, right? And along At the, that time period. And along the way, he won the tag in the IC. Yep. And he was um, one of the hottest names in wrestling. Finally beat Shawn Michaels for the title. That's yep. a push. What's interesting about his push, too, it was a push where he didn't need to always win. No, he didn't. That was what I liked about Austin, is they, they exemplified during the pushes, this guy doesn't care if he wins or he loses. Yeah, he just wants to kick someone's ass. Right. Oh, man, it's tough because I think that and Goldberg are on They're the same neck and level. Neck. And then, those are on the same. They level. might have to both go in, Quinn. Mm. I don't think we've mentioned anything better than Goldberg thus far, except maybe Austin. Uh, there's one other. Go ahead, The Rock. <sighs> yeah, I mean that that was 
born out of The Rock's natural charisma. I mean, they took a mid-carder that everyone absolutely hated, and not because of kayfabe hated, because they just hated him. They were just sick of seeing him. It was X-Pac heat. Yeah. They didn't want to see him. They just didn't want to see him. They took a guy like that, and they gave him an attitude, mm-hmm. kind of like they did with Austin. Turned him heel. They they turned him heel. They gave him an attitude, and that's the beginning of the push. He joins the nation. That's where the push starts. It is. Absolutely, it is. And he rides that all the way to about Survivor Series 98, I want to say. Yeah. And I would say the, the peak of the push is where you could put The Rock in a main event, main event against Austin at WrestleMania 15, like it or not. Yeah, he lost. Like, yeah, but, it, it, you know, that was the that was the initial push. Plus, and, and the Mankind feud did a lot to help him, right. too. Right, and all that was during it. And he looked strong yeah. during yeah. it, too. I mean, he lost, but he looked strong. Right, but it established The Rock for all times. Yeah. And he's still a big deal when he comes in. Now, do we are we at such an impasse here, and I don't want to make this decision yet, but I want to throw it out there. We're not an impasse, but have we come up with the final three already? We may have. Austin, Goldberg, and The Rock to join uh, Hogan? I will say one more. Go ahead. Bret Hart. Which one? The second one. The world title push. The one, okay. Now, Bret Hart's a weird, a weird <laughs> yeah, cat Bret, with all this. Bret had a failed singles push in 89. Okay, so, yes, and that might come up later. However, <laughs> okay. however the Bret push from... It's tough to say where it began because you could say it began with the Intercontinental title win against Mr. Perfect at SummerSlam. Yeah, but you could also say it began with the loss of the IC title to Bulldog. Right. You know, that that was where he he gave up his mid-card push and now because that was the main event first but of all. But if you think about it, okay, he's got a weird push because it's it's like a double you know in a graph when it goes up and then it goes down Yeah, and it's like it a double up, curve, it's right? It's got a I, double I got curve, yep. right? Mm-hmm. So it goes it, I consider it all the same push. Okay. It goes up, and he wins the Intercontinental title against Mr. Perfect. Culminates there, right? Yep, sure. Then, he win- He on that same up curve, he wins the world title from Ric Flair. You know, okay, yeah. You know, obviously, he has to lose the Intercontinental yeah. because, you know, he needs to get there. But a there year somehow. later, right? Yep. He, then, now he's going up again, right? And, he's, and, he, and he, he beats uh, Ric Flair yes. for the world title. Some of the square roots of any two sides of an isosceles triangle is equal to the square root of the remaining side. And all this time is establishing Brett as this is what he does in the ring sure. all the time. He's he's the hardest working man in the business. Has right? a great match against Razor Ramon at Royal Rumble '93. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, he doesn't. But anyway, so he loses the title to Yokozuna at WrestleMania mm. Nine. This is the this is the down. Oh yeah, that was the down curve. That right? was that was the end of his first main event push. It was no, but see, this is where I think we you're, differ here. You're gonna continue. I consider it all part of the same thing because he loses that fall. Mm-hmm. He wasn't at a level yet yeah. where he would be great. No, the comeback from the fall mm-hmm. in '93, getting the fan support. I think the push peaks at WrestleMania 10. That's Absolutely. the push. And that's a fantastic moment. And that establishes Bret Hart for all time. It does. However, when we're talking names like Austin, Goldberg, and The Rock, I don't know if he trumps any of those. But did the push was the push effective overall? Yes. That's, it was. That's the thing. It was, you're right, but I would say it was as well for The Rock. Right. I would say it was for Austin. I would say it was for Goldberg. Yeah. That's the thing. Now, here's another one for you. I'll give you another one just to counter. Shawn Michaels. Yes. His world, his, and with Michaels, I'm going to split this up because 
Do you think it's all part of one push, though? I no, overall. No, nah, I think that's more his career trajectory. Yeah. They noticeably started pushing him right before Rumble '95. Right, that's that's really when it starts. He's maybe he was always a, a mid carder who was kind of annoying. Correct. Yeah. So his push from the mid card, IC title level at that point, right, is the highest he had been to winning the Rumble, entering at number one. Right, he was all over TV, so it was a push. Right, oh, he was definitely pushed. Fighting Diesel for the world title, Shawn Michaels in a world title match at a WrestleMania that had never happened. Right, and then that was able to enable him to be the Shawn Michaels that eventually beat Brett at WrestleMania 12. And that's where I'd say his main event push was fully sustained at that point. WrestleMania 12. Yeah. He made it. He beat Brett in a one-hour-plus match. Right. By the time he was DX and all attitude, he was already already established. Exactly. So that's another one for consideration. But I think we need to start making some decisions here. Does does anyone beat Austin or Goldberg so far? I think Goldberg and Austin definitely go in. I think the last one's going to be the... All right. So, okay. Goldberg and Austin. Goldberg and Austin, a double induction. All right, Michael, we've got Hogan. We've got Austin. We've got Goldberg. We have to play the sound effect twice. It's the rules. It, it is the rules. We, we, it's Lord Sorry. Alford. Sorry. Uh, so we've got three. We're down to, we got The Rock in consideration. We've got Shawn Michaels in consideration. And Brett. Bret Hart, DDP still. DDP, Chris Jericho. Yeah. Chris Jericho. Oh, man. What about it, Booker T? Booker T, yeah, from, Booker T. From tag wrestler to From TV. nothing, basically. Yeah, from nothing. From tag wrestler to, to TV champion. U.S., I believe. World. Yes. Booker. He had everything. Booker. Booker T. Again, it didn't. Unfortunately, that push was wasted because of Triple H at WrestleMania 19. But <laughs> is Triple H in consideration? To be fair, it worked. I it did work. I'm talking about his main event, now, push in 99, 2000. Here's where I don't want to go too much into his push because I think his push has a lot to do with his position. Yeah, dating the owner's daughter. Sure. Um, I think that has a lot more to do with the sustaining of his push. We had he had a good push. Mm-hmm. It was a great push. Mm-hmm. And again, with the help of Foley, just like The Rock. Yeah. Yeah. I know. No, I agree with you. What about Foley from kind of um, big, fat, heel, regular dude to, to like... world champion? To world champion. That's a good one, too. I don't know if it's as prominent or anything, but it, it's something. I think we might have to go with... Yeah. The Rock or Sean. You don't think it's Brett? I like Brett's push a lot, the way it played out. Sean's was more immediate to me. You like the the slow burn on Brett's push? I do like it a lot. I like the, the I, I know it's not, we're not, the criteria wasn't like how the push went, but no, I, I really enjoy how that push went. With Sean's, it was more like, we knew it was coming, we were just, when is it come? When is it going to be here? Like, Yeah, I don't know though, if we're talking about... Was it successful and and all that? And The Rock is probably yeah the clear contender for number four. Right? They they saw something when he turned heel. They ran with it. He had a great program with Austin and then Shamrock and then the Nation broke up. Then he had the DX feud, the Mankind feud, the Austin WrestleMania you know fifteen yeah. feud. He was The Rock by then. That that made him The Rock that that run. And then right. he was able to turn face again and kind of be the the face version of The Rock. But that was already after established. Correct. I think The Rock has to be number four, and I love Brett, and I and I like Sean. Yeah. But I mean, 
if we're talking about guys like DDP, I think the Rock's push is more important. If we're talking about Brent and Sean, I think, honestly, I think the Rock's push is more important. Yeah. He also went from nothing, like a crappy mid-card. He was junk. Brett and Sean were at least respected mid-carders before right. they were main eventers. Yeah. Although Brett's push was one of like the Goldberg push where it included, I can, yeah, I, I, know. I think it's all in one. I get it's it. Go, go from nothing, tag to mid-card to yeah. world was all in one thing. That's true. Like that's why Same thing I, with Sean, though. Yeah, but no, because Sean, while he had his initial, I, they're two separate pushes from Fine. tag to mi- to mid. Why are we always having to defend the other person's favorite wrestler? I know it's weird. It's not on purpose, folks. But <laughs> yeah, it's okay because I'm always defending Sean, and you're always right. defending Brett. It should be the other no, way I just, around. I just, I'm just saying. I, I think if I of all of them, I like Brett's push the most, and well, I think it does its job the best. Well, I won't lose my smile over that. Yeah. Part of the Rock's longevity is the movie star thing. It's not just the push. Yeah, and that that to me, okay, his push isn't as clean as the rest of them either. It's a lot of this nation of domination junk, and like, and you know what? To be fair, it was more based on promos than wrestling. Yeah, it wasn't, or his actions within the the storyline. Brett and Sean's were both more wrestling related. Wrestling related and big stage, you know. And the, the stage kept getting bigger. Yeah, and not that The Rock didn't have great moments on the big and stage. He if did. I was to just compare between Brett and Sean's, to me, again, Sean's was more just, it was like we knew that main event push was coming. True. Brett's came at us all at once and in this this slow burn bell curve style okay. thing. And it was just, it was just more interesting. You don't have to, you don't have to convince me. Brett Hart for number four. So to recap for Donnie and the rest of you fans, mm-hmm. we've got Hulk Hogan's WWF push, you know, 84 to 87, we can call it. Yeah. We've got Austin's main event push, which was really 96. It started to the 98. King of the Ring, yeah. Yep. To 98. Goldberg's just run, you know, his one big run from late 97 until late 98. Yeah. And then Bret Hart, you're, you're quali- qualifying it as... 91 to 94 basically right yes. by 94 he was established as right. Bret Hart. with the beginning being i think when he was a mid-card being mr perfect is the beginning actually Fair enough. oddly enough but, I, I can't really argue with yeah. that folks we want to know yours of course let us know your four best and four worst pushes in your opinion you can do that by tweeting at us at ovp podcast you can email us or of course go to the facebook group and quinn since i started with one of the best you get the pick for one of the worst and I was going to say, Joe, before we continue here, that um, I know we didn't mention The Undertaker mm, or Kane we or didn't, something like we didn't. that. You're right. But at the same time, I, I personally feel those kind of those supernatural characters, <laughs> like their character is the push. They're never not being pushed. That's like, kind of you know true, I mean? actually. You know what I mean? Like Their character is a push. <laughs> right. So you can't. You're a zombie. Like, I okay. mean. Fair enough. Whatever. So, like, fair enough. So, if anyone gets mad at us, <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. You got one for the worst, though, Michael. Actually, I'll start with just because he's always on my table here when I do the podcast. What about Kerry Von Erich in the WWF? Yeah, that didn't really work. Yes, honestly, they brought him in as a last-minute replacement for Brutus Beefcake, right? For SummerSlam '90. 
and he beat Kurt Hennig, which I sucked. I, I hate that Hennig I hate had to that, lose there. That title change. It was so junk. And we all know why that happened. <laughs> <sighs> Quinn, we don't have time for you to tow that line right now, okay? <laughs> okay. Well, go listen to the old episodes, yeah. but whatever. <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, it, was, it wound up being... No, it was pretty bad, actually. Yeah, nothing. He never... <laughs> he's Kerry Von Erich. He was the NWA world champion. Yeah. And they bring him in the WWF. And he's immediately in the Intercontinental Champion, but sometimes <laughs> pushing someone doesn't mean just give them everything immediately. Oh, you mean like Roman Reigns. Right. <laughs> Who, and, by the way, yes. Yeah, we should address Roman Reigns real quickly here. We are a retro wrestling podcast focusing mainly on the 80s and 90s and early 2000s. So before anyone writes in an angry letter or sends in a fax... yeah. Roman Reigns <laughs> does not qualify for this because we are trying to be a retro wrestling yes, podcast. I understand that he might be the worst push of all time. Maybe. It's possible, but, his but career we'll, is have not to over. Check, we'll have to check in in like five or ten years. Exactly. So. And when we're still doing the show in five years. When we do a Mount Rushmore Death Valley of Pushes like version two yeah, or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Then we can revisit Roman Reigns. Yeah. But okay, yeah, Tornado was bad. I agree with you, but I have a really bad one that didn't work out the way they wanted it sure. to. Lex Luger made in the USA 93. Yeah, no doubt about it. And um, that was junk. are too tight too, Billy. They wanted him to be Hogan. They wanted him to be the next Hogan. And they, they tried almost a sort of similar push. They It was like they incorporated parts of the later Hogan character, I'm Mr. USA. Yeah, right, right. Like, into a new Hogan. It was weird because the fans wanted Bret Hart, who was Mr. Canada. Right. You know, and that was the main reason for that dip in his curve there that we were just the talking bell, about. The bell curve. Yeah, exactly. And the Luger thing didn't work out to the point where they had that split ending at Rumble 94 so the fans could kind of choose. Yeah, and I mean, they were definitely going to push Luger until he spoke up in that um, dinner or whatever right before <laughs> WrestleMania 10. <laughs> That's not what happened. That's not a true story. No, but I don't know. That one never worked, in my opinion. That was a push that did not go the way they wanted it to. Much like Kerry Von Erich, I would say. Oh, yeah. Do you have another one? We can get some floating around here. Tatanka. <laughs> Your favorite. Yeah. You love Tatanka. Oh, my goodness. That sucked. And they just kept trying. So so, so his face push, his heel push, which one? All of it. They were always <laughs> trying to push him. It ne he was never anything. He wasn't good. Like, when they face pushed him, right? I didn't even feel like he was a good mid-carder. He wasn't really. And remember, he had this undefeated streak from like the day he debuted until Ludwig Borga beat him. Yeah. Who also, by the way, another <laughs> yeah. shitty push. Borga was bad. But you know what? He, had he not gotten injured, it's hard to say how that would have gone. I guess. He, he can get a little bit of a slide, you know, maybe a little pass there. But Tatanka. Yeah, Tatanka is notable. He, definitely. See, the way they pushed him, you would think that he would have been world champion. I mean, when I used to watch the old tapes, I would wonder, like, why he was just a jabroni in the Million Dollar Corporation right. when I st first started watching. Yeah. And then his heel push was, we've talked about that in our very first episode, even. His heel push was terrible. Yeah. He went from actually being, like, at least, like, a popular mid-carder to a junky-ass, unmotivated, like, low-carder. Yeah. That didn't work. What about um The Big Show? Yeah, but I would say from day one. Well, I'm not talking the giant because that was fine. Oh no, in, no, no, WCW, WWF from day one. Yeah, well, maybe from day two. Day one was he came through the cage and St. Valentine's Day massacre, and that was fine. The problem was instead of building to a big match between these two, he fights awesome on like Raw. A few he was weeks always later. on the sidelines. Another thing with him is, and I always say this, they never did it right. 
he is huge. Yeah. He's bigger than everyone in this company. Yes. He should never lose right. ever unless right. it's like Austin or something. Right. Like, and that's what they could have built to. The, the, you know what the problem is with a guy like that? Mm-hmm. If you immediately launch him to face Austin. Yep. There's nothing like, where can he go from there? I agree. His push is dead in the water. I agree. I, you know, I think he has to go on. Yeah. Because I think he was mishandled from day one. And I know they tried several times to rebuild his credibility and all that. But along the way, he turned face and heel so many damn times. He was yeah. crying all and the that's, time. that's more in the recent past of Diapers, the big show. Diapers and all this. But, <laughs> but they fucked him up. The initial run. The initial set the stage for, you know, big show comes, growls, snarls, loses, and then leaves. And then the weird thing is... Somehow, as a face, he's world champion by the end of the year. No business being so. Well, it's because they're trying to recover their losses. Yeah, they and fucked up. It's and all they knew screw- they fucked up. Yeah, and they knew they fucked up. It's all screwy, and screw that push, because that should be, like, it should be easy. Do you want it to die, die, die? Yes, die, die, die. Die, die, die. Big show for number one. What about Rick Rude? In the WWF, like, going from mid-carter to, like, main eventer. Beautiful, yes. Because the only flash of brilliance that we even got to see of that was against Snuka at WrestleMania six. After that, they fucked it up. That he should have been so much more. He was a slam dunk, if you ask me. He could talk. He had the look. He could wrestle. He could wrestle. Tough guy in real life. And WCW, in 91 and 92, proved that. Yes. They proved that this they guy... They took him in, and he was awesome. He was a property. You yeah. know, this was someone tangible that you could put... You, you could build the company around You could guy. build a company around him. Dangerous Alliance built around him. Great world champion over there. Right. Hell yeah. Rick yeah. Rude was so screwed up in that world title push. Immediately, he's fighting the warrior. Well, not immediately, but, you know, soon they, they, they say, okay. And they had the best thing, too, because he had beaten the warrior the yes. year before. Right. And that was his push, is to say, I beat the warrior before. I'm going to beat him again. <laughs> yeah. And he just goes and looks like an idiot. He did. He looked like an idiot. Somehow he slipped through and left. You yeah, know? we forgot about the warrior in in the other thing. Yeah. But I, I again, the warrior, no, uh, he, he wouldn't have made it anyway. Before, but, no. but for Rick Rude now, Rude's a good one, actually. Yeah, they they, they effed up. You got another one? T- I'm still hung up on Tatanka here. I thought you brought up a g- great one with Tatanka. Mm, Tatanka, huh? Uh, you know what? Another push that really sucked and did not work. Billy Gunn, singles wrestler, 1999. <laughs> yes. Remember Actually, that? I think that might be worse because I, I feel Billy Gunn was earmarked to be like a main eventer for a long time. Oh, God, time. yeah. Like, Since 97, maybe? Yeah. After the smoking gun split, you could tell they wanted to do something with him. Right. They always wanted to do something with he him. He fell ass backwards into a great <laughs> tag team, right? Yeah. But they always had their eye on breaking up the outlaws. This is probably Russo, but I'm not sure. And turning him into like the next Shawn Michaels or something. Yeah, I mean, he's, to me, you know who's the modern day equivalent? Dolph Ziggler is like him. Yes. This is, that's another failed push, by the way. Yeah, a little too new. It's, it's, he's still it is a act- long time ago, though. Yeah, right. now, like, yeah, no, you're right. He's still active, though, so yeah. it's hard. I yeah. don't like I don't like putting I know, active but guys I mean, on there. I think we're at the point with Ziggler where we know he's not gonna. It's not gonna work out. It's not. But yeah. Billy Gunn, though, Quinn, they tried so hard. He wins the King of the Ring in '99. He gets the Ass Man yeah, he music. Gets the King of the Ring thing, yes. right, which is usually the sign. Uh huh. And then he is in a big feud with The Rock at SummerSlam '99. God, I, I don't even. I barely remember yeah, that. It sucked because Billy Gunn couldn't hang in the main event stage, and then of course he goes back to the New Age Outlaws. But they try to reboot another singles push with the one Billy Gunn in two thousand. Yeah, where he had sitcom music. <laughs> that song's awesome. Yeah. You're probably hearing it right now as we talk. 
I think Billy Gunn's 99 and 2000 singles pushes are horrible, misguided, <laughs> weren't going to work, didn't work. What do you think? I think it's notable enough to put on there. I think we can put them on there. Yeah. You want to? Yeah. So Billy Gunn for number two. Yeah, that one's really die, bad. Die, really die. bad. Really bad. Yeah. So, all right, we got Billy Gunn, we got Big Show, both from 99, coincidentally. <laughs> what else we got? I'm still hung up on Tatanka, I'm just saying. What about the first Bret Hart push? <laughs> wait, wait. 89? Uh, yes. That, you mean, okay, what, <laughs> what Quinn's <laughs> talking about, folks. <laughs> and this is weird. This is, this is a, to me, the definition of a failed push. In 89, sometime after WrestleMania 5, it wasn't evident if you just watch the pay-per-views in 89. Yeah, you're not, if you just watch, like, on the network, the pay-per-views, you're not really going to know. But on the TV and in the magazine, the Hart Foundation split up, like, not with any fight like they were both face yeah on good terms or whatever good terms and they're like we're gonna both be singles wrestlers and that was like that's where you get all those matches of like bret hart fighting dino bravo and stuff in 89 and he had safe up bad news brown uh 88 he did okay that was that one-off feud that they had that's probably the genesis of that singles push right but he had some good matches with kurt hennig and he had some good matches with rick martell during that period of time and ted dibiase Right. But what the hell happened? All of a sudden, the hard finish is back together by 90. Yeah, it's really weird. <laughs> They're like, oh, no, we're a tag team again. We want the titles. Yeah. <laughs> that's like what happened. Like, to what? me, that's, that's literally like you can't define it any better than that's yeah. just terrible. I know, but I don't know. Brett rebounded, so it's like. I get that he rebounded, but ignore that. Say he <laughs> didn't. Yeah. Say they just put him. That's Th- awful. Then he's Billy Gunn. He's Billy Gunn. It's a bad push. That was a bad push. That wasn't because of him, though. It I think that was because of them. No, and not not all the best pushes or worst pushes are because of the, the wrestler. wrestler. It's True. the company. It's the company, but you have yeah. to, generally, you would hope there has to be a certain amount of talent that goes along with your push, you know? I guess. Generally. Which leads me back to Tatanka. <laughs> you brought him up, man, but I, I can't let go of this. He was so bad. Yeah. I don't know if he's amongst the worst. So what about... King Mabel, Mabel as a main eventer, that 95, now that's that, worse. That is bad. Right? Because no one wanted that. No one wanted it, and no one still wanted it when it was happening, <laughs> so it just didn't happen. It was awful. Like, it liter- like, every step of the way, nobody wanted it. No one wanted it, ever. Yeah. And it was like six, a good six months, starting with the King of the Ring, obviously, but really right before that, when Men on a Mission turned heel. Mm-hmm. Got rid of Oscar, and thankfully Mo stopped wrestling because Mo is the least important wrestler ever of all time. <laughs> like possibly. literally of all if time. If there was a Mount Rushmore of of importance, and, yeah. he would be on the Death Valley. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there was that. But Mabel winning King of the Ring, no one liked it, right? Yeah. Mabel fighting Diesel for the world title, just Mabel, 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 Mabel. Why? Yeah. yeah. What What do you think about that? I mean, is that worse than Tatanka? It's bad, but you know what's another bad one? What? And you just mentioned it. What? Big Daddy Cool Diesel. <sighs> From mid-carder to face, that's the world champion. Why? That was another case. You you said it a little bit earlier. Like, you don't have to give everyone everything all at once. He was hot. And then he literally... Was, he, now, yeah. not, not saying he wasn't deserving of the push. No, no, no. He was, he was, he was popular, right? It was However, hot. that didn't work out, did it? No, it didn't. To the point where even by mid-95, people were sick of it. Yeah. And it didn't help that he was fighting guys like Sid yeah. and Mabel. And, and, and to me, that's another criteria of bad pushes, is, the, is if people are sick of it, like, while it's happening. Yeah. While the push is going on. Yeah. And Diesel was one of those. That's a symptom. It was a symptom, and that was another case of them trying to build another Hogan. Yeah. And that worked out, ultimately, I would say, worse than Lex Luger, 
because he won the world title. Yeah. At least Luger didn't. Right, and Luger was able to recover in WCW. Correct, and then, well, Nash was too, but... He wasn't, he... Nash, he wasn't, he was never world champion again because people were behind it. Let's put it that way. <laughs> fair, fair. Uh, the thing about Diesel, though, is he was a champion for a year. Yes. And it was bad, all of it. Mm-hmm. The only good moments of it was when he fought Shawn Michaels or Bret Hart. Right. And that should tell you something. Mm-hmm. He tanked. He was bad. I didn't like it. Uh, most people didn't like it. Vince liked it. That's probably about it. It's a monumental screw up. And and it's also like, I think when people do compare the Roman Reigns yep. push nowadays, That's they what compare, compare it to Big Daddy Cool. <laughs> you want to put him on as number three? Yeah. All right, let's do it. Die, die, die. I think it's a perfectly acceptable criteria there. Now, what about... <laughs> now, this is not... This is not a main event push. Okay. But it's still one that and I've brought him up before. Hardcore Holly <laughs> from like a jobber. I don't know. From it, a jobber to that. I but they never I just never got the in, it, that the intent was there okay. with him. I just feel like they he just was, were looking for something to do with him. That's not that's not the same. He was all over for a while though, but okay, I, I, all right. You know what I mean? Like though yeah, with I that, it, like I it. it's just I understand. It's not I understand. the same. Fine, I'm not, not gonna push. I'm not gonna argue that yeah. that hard for it. You have any other ones? I don't know. Tataka's looking mighty uh, fine. Yeah, right now. I think so. That was a definite push. And the main reason I'm so caught up on him is because of a few things. An undefeated streak, which one of our Rushmore guys had, right? Will Goldberg, Goldberg. Yes. The fact that he was all over WWF TV, including pay-per-views from 92 until 95, 96. Mm-hmm. The fact that he had two pushes, one as a face, one as a heel. And amidst all of this, the dude never won a title and he never ascended to where you can tell they always wanted him to be. They always wanted him yeah, to be a world title guy. You can I'll, tell. I'll throw one for consideration here. Okay. The initial Sid push from um, in 95 when they brought him back, they bring him in as the bodyguard oh, and they, yeah. they want him to be the big He's going to be the big top heel Awful. for a while. Like, I could tell they wanted him to be for, like, a long yeah. standing. It wasn't just, like, a one-off of no, Big Daddy Cool. Like, he left, you know? But Yeah. Yeah, that was the worst period of Sid's career, I think. Yeah. That was the worst and it was version the first, of Sid. It, to me, it was the first time they tried, anybody, even WCW didn't do it yet, uh, try to make him a main eventer. Yeah, he really, well, he fought Hogan Quinn, WrestleMania 8. That was a I, one-off, I, though, to right? Me, he, to me, he was in the... Uh, I know we say big fat heel all the time, but yeah, that's, he, he wasn't was. fat, but he was a big heel. He was just a big dumb heel. Yeah, it was just somebody. It's like it's like when Hogan fought Bundy at WrestleMania two. <laughs> right, it's right. just like he existed. Yeah, like, you're right. That's, it's not that's the fair. same. That's fair. Um, I think Tatanka's worse. Tatanka was sustained crap his entire <laughs> his entire run. Yeah, and, and we we briefly brought up Borga, right? Because I I yeah. always thought they were supposed to they wanted to do something with him, but yeah, but it's hard to say what would have happened. I mean, it was successful. He was a heel, right? This building is crumbling like America is crumbling. He was a big heel. He was feared, and he was treated with respect in, in kayfabe, you know? <laughs> Tough to beat. Tatanka sucked. Yeah, Tatanka. Okay, just put Tatanka in. Let's just put Tatanka in for number four. Die, die, die. So, that is our Mount Rushmore and Death Valley of pushes, and of course, we want to hear yours. You can do that by tweeting at us at OVP Podcast. You can email us at OVPPodcast at gmail.com, and you can tell us all the people we forgot on our Facebook group. Right, Quinn? Oh, yeah. That's where they all <laughs> pile up over there. Yes. So, so we are going to take one more break, but when we come back, we are reviewing a promotion for the first time. Back after this. 
Finally, the 1999 King of the Ring and the world's greatest athlete has come here tonight to talk about ass. Imagine that. <laughs> Let's hear it. He's an authority on it. And one in particular. Because at SummerSlam, it's Mr. Ass, the premier, the primo, the perfect ass, versus the people's ass. Oh. Now it is time for everyone to see the truth that you are ass. Hey, it's Sean Mooney. I may no longer be in the event center, but if I was, I'd be talking about our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast. All right, boys, let's get to it. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you so much for being with us as we romp through the world of retro wrestling. Quinn, we are reviewing something. Yes, we are. And this was requested by you again, Quinn. <laughs> we keep taking Sorry. requests. Sorry, everyone. I'm <laughs> hogging up the request. <laughs> that's fine. We've never done this before, and that's why I agreed to it immediately. It is world-class championship wrestling from December 10th, 1982. A little word on world-class. It was... At this time that we're reviewing, an NWA affiliate it went independent a few years later and closed down in 1990. It had been open since the 60s, 66, I think. Very old promotion. Very old promotion by a very old man, Fritz Von Erich, <laughs> the uh, Von Erich family patriarch, if you will. Which, of course, we'll see in this show. Oh, he'll be all over it because the Von Erich's got to be. You yep. know what I mean? He's basically the Stu Hart of Texas, <laughs> if you want to think about That's it. That's unfortunate. <laughs> it's wonderful. <laughs> and uh, his promotion had some really good periods of time and this show is not evident of any of them really <laughs> <laughs> and there's also a great dvd out with the history of it called the um spe- uh, the R- spectacular legacy no the rise That's and the fall AWA. the something of world class the great yeah. story of world class i don't know yeah, it, it's a good dvd just it it's is. the world class championship wrestling dvd just get it if yeah. you haven't seen it it's actually on the network the yep. documentary portion and so it's worth it yeah it's very a very good watch yep but where we are here is of course in texas and dallas and that's where most of their shows took place and we are in 1982 december we are on the cusp of a very important feud that hasn't happened yet and we'll get to that yes it is um probably what launched world class in this time period yes and turned him into high class for a little while so they had some successes and some failures and mm-hmm. eventually went under in 90 and kind of led to the genesis of the uswa the memphis territory i would say the over-reliance on a uh, half-footed man didn't really help them Whew, i don't know who you're talking about so <laughs> <laughs> so we open with uh, quinn as you called it the classic intro yeah, that like burr, 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 <laughs> that music, and and Travis is probably going to get so mad. Yeah, because he doesn't like when we imitate that. But oh yeah. well. And we're hosted by their classic host, Bill Mercer, and he's pretty good. And we start right away with a King Kong Bundy promo and his dapper light blue polo, Quinn. Yes, a very dapper King Kong. <laughs> it's weird how they present King Kong Bundy in this promotion. Yes, it is. Um, he's kind of a loud mouth, sort of chicken shit heel. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. And he's still King Kong Bundy. He's yeah, already he's, lost his hair by then, you know? Yeah, he's just, uh, he looks like Bundy. Yep. I mean, there's nothing really else to say. It's King Kong, it's the King Kong Bundy mm-hmm. that we would know and love in yep. WWF. Dressed very nicely, and he makes fun of uh, Kevin Von Erich, not Carrie, Kevin Von Erich, and he calls yeah. him a scrawny punk. They have some feud over Von Erich's yep. American title. But let's go to the sport of for our opening contest and we open with <laughs> the spoiler who was like 42 years old here i don't have a problem with him versus quinn's favorite jose lothario Ugh. 
he, Joe, <laughs> he is already old here. I mean, he's like what, 50. He could be 60 here for all I know. He's ridiculous. Now, apparently, <laughs> spoiler, recently broke away from Gary Hart due to the Kabuki situation. Would you say that's a spoiler alert? <laughs> Our ring announcer and his horrible coat tell us all that these matches are sanctioned by the National Wrestling Alliance. Thanks. All matches sanctioned by the National Wrestling Alliance. (laughs) You'll like this, though, everyone, especially you, Quinn. Jose is the uh, Mexican Brass Knuckles champion. He didn't have a belt. I wouldn't know. He he didn't even have brass knucks. (laughs) Just signing autographs before it. And by the way, what what is this, like, politics with the the NWA and and, uh, the Kabuki? Kabuki situation like <laughs> what what is somebody running for office here like what is going on and Quinn, you also called jose the mexican oldest shit champion yeah that's that's appropriate because he is so old here uh you said to me quinn that referee here david manning looks like he belongs selling audio equipment somewhere yeah like he looks like he should be selling like a boom box or something and radio shack yeah like radio shack in the <laughs> 70s so we open this match with a lot of generic chopping and punching by both men and it stinks honestly <laughs> the 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 whole thing stinks jose lothario stinks and it's kind of a miracle that Shawn michaels was any good being trained by this old fart and by the way i looked him up and apparently jose lothario is famous according to his wiki page yeah for losing 500 matches in a row that's awesome at one point in his career that's fi- that is so freaking fitting for the legacy of this guy how did he train anyone of worth he was the super sock he couldn't win a match. <laughs> now, I do need to ask everyone out there, maybe maybe one of you guys out there knows the answer, maybe Marty Howell or somebody, what exactly did the spoiler spoil? <laughs> like, did he run around going telling people the end of movies? Maybe he, like, always jumped in into matches and, like, interfered. Ah, he spoiled okay. them. He spoiled them. Very or, good. Or huh? he's a spoiler in the sense that a guy who's a real winner who mm-hmm. needs to win a match to get a title shot, uh-huh. he spoils it. Or there's just no thought behind the name. No. Could probably, be that, too. probably nothing. <laughs> Bill Mercer mentioned something about the Oriental style. Yeah, we get into a lot of this. There's some kind of all-Asian championship <laughs> yes. later. What the fuck? Their, their, their attitude towards the... Um, the, ori- the, the, the Orient, as they would East. call it. Yeah, yeah, the Orient. Yeah, is is very interesting. Let's put it that way. You know what's not interesting? This match. This is crap. Honestly, it's two flabby guys boxing. <sighs> Anytime Jose Lothario is involved in anything, you know it's going to suck. You're so I, I'm not right. surprised. We get an exciting bear hug by the spoiler. And Quinn, you ask me, is this the worst match we've ever seen? Yeah, so I meant in all that we've reviewed. Yes. I'm sure I've seen worse matches oh, in yeah. my life. Oh, yeah. But this is probably one of the worst matches we ever reviewed. This is like... Like, this is awful. This might be below a half star. <laughs> like, Seriously. This might be bad. minus five stars. Mm. Spoiler then switches to a side headlock. And you said to me, Quinn, it looks like Jose is using Spoiler's chest as a pillow. Well, he's got to get some sleep, man. <laughs> I mean, he is an old man. He, yeah. he belongs in a rocking chair. <laughs> With Vern. Yeah. By the way, the Spoiler looks like an idiot. I'm just <laughs> going to say. He has like this gold mask and crappy black and red tights. He looks like a jobber that would get squashed by like Dino Bravo or somebody. I will say this. What? He looks in decent shape, though. I'll give him credit. He doesn't look 44 or however old he is here. He's the youngster of this match, yeah. no, which but is he telling looks, you something. But I mean, even when they he was standing amongst others, he looked kind of cool. I, yeah. I, I, I'm not gonna... I don't want to crap on him too much. Fine, but speaking of crapping on people, Jose Lothario makes a comeback with... um. 
some punches and some like leg grab. Like he kept like grabbing his he leg. He didn't do anything. It was nothing. And then he there's, did nothing. There's nothing. And then then this is the worst. There's more punching and they're both fighting on the apron on the outside of the ropes, like standing on the apron. At this point, I say to you, why would he even be in the industry if he sucks this bad? It's a very fair question. And as we ponder that question, we get a horrible back body drop by Lothario. That the spoiler does all the work. Yeah. And apparently they were both counted out of the ring wall on the apron. Why? Why did this happen? Like, why was this on this show? I don't know. It upsets this me, This was Joe. awful. We opened the show with a double countout on the apron in six minutes and 19 seconds, I'm, by the way. I understand. Mm-hmm. It's 1982. And if you go over to our YouTube page, you can see us reviewing 1982 WWF, Yes, right? you can. Yep. And this looks better than that. Oh, yeah. On, 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 like, from a visual standpoint. Absolutely. But from a wrestling standpoint... It's similar and or worse. Yeah, no, this was like a slap fight at Del Boca Vista. Yeah, this reminds me of the Seinfeld episode, The Pen, where Jack Columbus <laughs> and Morty start going at it. Yeah. It was, it, it was brutal. It was brutal. Yeah. <laughs> it was awful. So then we cut to Bill Mercer, and he's with that same referee, David Manning, talking about how we're going to have a special referee for an upcoming Kerry Von Erich Ric Flair match. Remember, NWA affiliate here. So surpri- Ric Flair's there. I'm surprised uh, David Manning didn't try to sell him a pair of headphones <laughs> or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not like Von Eric could really go running. No. So, so he rambles on and on, and he also has really bad hair, David Manning. We just, oh, yeah. our, one of our roommates walked by and is like, look at that hair. They literally, <laughs> they weren't even, they were just like passing by. Like in the kitchen. In the kitchen, they're like, oh man, that guy has horrible hair. And then they just left. <laughs> not even related to yeah. what, like, didn't care what we were watching, yeah. just noticed the hair. So anyway, long story short hair, Michael Hayes. Long story short hair, did you just say that? <laughs> <laughs> Michael Hayes is going to be the ref for this yeah. special ref thing. Now, this was funny because Manning is rambling on and on, and he finally says, yeah, it's going to be Michael Hayes. So then right after that, Bill <laughs> Mercer is like, so who's the ref going to be? And at this time, Michael Hayes, by a large majority. Michael Hayes. He will be the other referee. There's going to be a winner that night, and we're trying to take all precautions to not let what's happened in the past happen again. Can you tell us who's won? Yes, Michael Hayes has one. He will be in the ring with uh, either myself or Bronco. He literally what? just said. <laughs> it what? was really weird. Like two seconds <laughs> before like, he asked. It was like he wasn't paying attention and or something. I, okay, sometimes I don't hear things, right? I know. And sometimes I may ask something after. However, <laughs> this has been edited for television. <laughs> yes. At least I hope it has been. Yeah, this is not live. What? Why? <laughs> How no would no sense. one notice that? He's literally like, yeah, so we decided Michael Hayes is going to be the ref. And Bill Mercer's like, oh, that's good. So who's the ref going to be? Yeah. <laughs> like, what? It was <laughs> unbelievable. What are you talking about? Yeah, but, you know, it doesn't seem like anything fishy would happen there, right, Quinn? With oh, Michael no, Hayes no, no. as the ref? No, and Michael Hayes with the, no. with the Von Erichs. No, no, nothing weird is going to yeah. happen there. And, 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 okay, we're just being sarcastic. And yes. I just want to reiterate this for people who are not do, familiar. Are not familiar. Basically, the Freebirds were not really a thing yet. No. And Michael, this was how Michael Hayes was brought in, and he was brought in as a face. Mm-hmm. And what would happen here, essentially, mm-hmm. is Michael Hayes was to turn heel on Kerry Von Erich in Correct. this match and start the Freebirds and boot, basically, boot up WCCW yes. into what it became. 
the Freebirds versus Von Erichs feud was the defining feud of world class in much the same way that the Midnights and the Rock and Roll Express were the defining feud of the mid-late 80s NWA. If anything, for WCCW, it was just as powerful as a singles feud like yes. Hulk Hogan versus Andre or um, Austin versus The Rock or, Ma- or Macho Man versus Hogan. Something yeah, exactly. like that. Like It was like the it was the Hatfields and the McCoys. Of, there uh, you go. It was the Jets and the Sharks. Yeah, exactly. It was the Shawns and the Bretts. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, this other referee Bronco Lubrick or Lubick or whatever I've heard of him. <laughs> That's he, a mouthful, right? Yeah, I know. He wanders in to say that he's a great ref <laughs> and yeah. he wants to see a title change and they both pick Kerry to win? Yeah. Quinn, you had a big problem with two referees picking the winner of a match. I, I said to you, this is garbage. They're refs. They're supposed to be impartial. <laughs> I know. And they're like, no, we want Kerry to win. What yeah. the fuck? What kind of, why would anyone hire you? I don't know. At least Michael Hayes is, does, has the decency to not go like announce. Yeah, I see? want Kerry Von Erich to win. Yeah, so no wonder he got away with this mm-hmm, bullcrap because he was smart about yeah. it. Now we cut to Gary Hart, you know, famous manager of world class, great manager, a big fan of his. Yeah. He's got a stable of real assholes here, and they are the <laughs> great Kabuki, who's probably about ninety-one years old at this point. <laughs> Magic Dragon, not, not to, to be confused with <laughs> Puff, right? With Puff the Magic Dragon. Yeah. It can't be. We didn't even have that joke. Noted. I, I, it's not even in the notes, I swear. Quinn and I were just in the same That's, mind frame there. And this is the best guy, the third guy here, Checkmate. What is he, related to Bobby Fischer? <laughs> what is he, a chess piece? Yeah. Anyway, this is the best part of the whole promo here, is King Kong Bundy storms <laughs> in with the spoiler. And their heels, too. Yes. They storm in on the other heels. They storm in on the other heels with the spoiler and Wild Bill Irwin, better known, Quinn, in WWF. The goon. As the goon. Yeah. But he's much more relevant here in world class. He's much more cowboy-y, too. <laughs> yes. I love Bundy, for the record, and I love the spoiler wearing his sport jacket. A spoiler sport jacket. Very, very. I like the sound of that. We need to have the OVP spoiler sport jacket, which, it by the way. spoiler on it. Yeah, just a spoiler. You can get our OVP t-shirt at teespring.com. Oh, I don't think that was mentioned no. today, was it? That is T-E-E spring.com slash OVP podcast. pop. And then you 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 noted to be Quinn. They cut away really weirdly, like it's WrestleMania three. Yeah. So um, Gary Hart like just goes, "I'm going to be sweet and sexy" or whatever the hell he <laughs> says, right? And it just like cuts away. And like there's like a cut like that at WrestleMania three that's very notable to me. I forget. I don't remember the exact promo. Do you? I think it's it's most of the promos. One of them is the Bobby Heenan Mula and Harley Race one. Yeah, where it just cuts away weirdly like after they say some <laughs> terrible catchphrase. Yeah, like it's like that. It's really weird. There's one where Johnny V says something like bah, da, 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 and then it cuts yeah. away. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> we have a great match here. It is Al Madrid, Bugsy McGraw, and Brian Adidas, a.k.a. Brian Adidas, <laughs> a.k.a. Brian Adidas. A.k.a. Brian, I'm not wearing my Adidas. Yes. Adidas. <laughs> and they talk about how they're going to be the best six-man team. And I need to, to mention here, Bugsy McGraw, who I had never heard of, <laughs> forgive me. Apparently, he was a territory yeah. guy. He's amazing. He's got this aviator cap on. Yeah. And he's got Adidas pants. Right. So, this is confusing because I'm not as familiar with um, world class as 
I don't know if you are, Joe. A but, little bit. But I was confused if Brian Adidas, I'm serious. Like, <laughs> yeah, I thought. This is real. Because, okay, so first of all, they've been saying his name like three different ways. So, and I think we've addressed this before, yeah. possibly, about how everyone calls this guy a different thing. Yes. And I just, in my head, he's Brian Adidas, like right. the pants, Adidas pants, yeah. or shoes or whatever. Yeah. And so Bugsy McGraw is wearing Adidas pants. I literally wasn't sure. If he was like, I was like, oh, is that Brian Adidas? He's wearing Adidas. (laughs) No, Brian uh, Adidas is rather nondescript, as we'll see in a bit. But anyway, great promo by Bugsy. And they're fighting, these three are fighting Kabuki, Mm -hmm. Puff the Magic Dragon, and Checkmate. Yes, the guys that we just heard from. Yes, exactly. So Kabuki sprays his green mist because isn't he like great Muda's dad or something? Yeah, and I ask you, (laughs) why was this fat slob ever over? He looks like shit. He does. Kabuki just is like paunchy and doughy and flabby. Like he looks like an aging like lead guitarist for a bad metal band. Yes, he does. Very. That's a good description, Joe. Thank you. I just thought of that. So anyway, (laughs) we start in uh, Adidas here with a drop kick and some arm work. Kabuki flips away from that as Quinn notes the excellent production values. Okay, yeah, I want to pull away for a second. The production, if you compare it, Go. You can watch our YouTube reviews of '82, like yep. I mentioned before. WWF. Yep. You yep. compare that production value, right? Mm-hmm. And you can find a lot of world class on YouTube as well. And just if you just want a side by side comparison, yeah, this is excellent. It's like night and day. The lighting's good. The ring looks official. Yeah, um, it's well produced. It cuts away to different like promos, like in a nice studio. Mm-hmm. You know, nice for 1982. Mm-hmm. It, it looks clear. Yep. it's not fuzzy. Absolutely, everything is good. That and I, I'm just they had satellite hookups like everything about that is great however the wrestling stinks you're it's absolutely awful. right yep. so i understand that people look back at this and they say it was influential for its production values it was it definitely there was, was nothing like this yeah, nothing this at was all great but the wrestling is lousy this taste of it is a, a bitter pill to swallow let me put it that yeah. way this is not fun bill mercer though is great yes. great announcer bill, yeah great you know how Fantastic. We, I can't I don't have a bad thing to say about him. You know how we were bitching about Suplay um last week? Yeah. By himself, not right. very good. Bill yeah. Mercer, great by himself. Yes, and I know we got on him for mixing that thing up before, but I mean for the most part, he's really good. As a play by play guy, yeah. he's great. He's fun to listen right. to. He's been good. So anyway, Puff the Magic Dragon tags in and he sucks worse than Kabuki somehow. Al Madrill <laughs> comes in and he's actually pretty good. And Quinn, you said it's because he's the only one not punching all the time. Right. I mean, it, wow, what a change, right? right. No punching all over no the place. No punching. <laughs> yeah. So here comes Bugsy. I, I love this guy already. I can see why people like this guy, Bugsy he's McGraw. Fun. He, he was fun. You know, he reminds me of the Boogie Woogie Man. Jimmy Valiant. Yes. Yeah, that's fair. He, I was going to say a little, a, like him. a little Ivan Putsky, too. In ter- yeah. Not in terms of physique, but in terms of, like, appeal. He's got the stance of the Boogie Woogie, yeah. that that I look like I'm taking a dump yeah. while I'm walking <laughs> stance. Yeah. You're right. So, uh, Brian Adidas comes in and, of course, slows things down with a headlock. Yeah. You said, Quinn, it's like a menagerie of crap wrestling. Yeah, it's it's a potpourri, if you will. <laughs> potpourri it's like, anybody you tag in, it's junk. <laughs> Now we clip to some guy yelling, get him, very happily. And this is another thing with the production. Yep. They do an, a good thing here is this wrestling is awful. 
Yes. Okay, we, I saw how I said that? Yes. But you wouldn't know it by the way they clip to the fans mm-hmm. flipping out. And they're actually chanting for the wrestlers in the ring, too. It's not like this is just they're using, like, yeah, stock, stock footage. Fo- no, it's like, go get him Adidas pants yeah. or whatever. Like, you know, like, <laughs> like they, they, you actually see them. And, like, women are, like, going nuts and yeah. all this stuff. No, it's it's you're yeah. absolutely right. That's not an exaggeration. Checkmate comes in and he's got a tiger mask on. I don't understand. We we should have noted that before. He has literally the tiger mask mask. Yeah, I don't know what's going like, on. Like, why is he called Checkmate? I don't know. And they note that he's a European champion, so he's European? I don't know. He's probably from Arizona or something. <laughs> uh, like, he honestly... This is so weird because he's a Japanese, but he's European champ. And he's probably American. And he's probably American. (laughs) And wasn't Bulldog the first European champion anyway? Yeah, this is also confusing (laughs) to me because there's only one European champion that I know of. Yeah, British Bulldog. Well, there was other X-Pac and stuff, but he was the first. Yeah, not in 82. Not in 82. Um, We're just kidding, folks. Don't get mad. (laughs) Yeah, don't worry. Big Pier 6 brawl and Adidas goes down to a boot by Kabuki. Checkmate comes back in and does nothing. Just standing (laughs) around his slapping at him swatting at him it's just awful and at least the crowd's eating it up because we are not i don't know how and he tags out to kabuki bugsy comes back in and slugs away but he gets caught in the heel corner punching it's tonight's theme yep quinn you noted that not only did it enhance you know the the feel of the match right but the crowd reaction shots a bit ahead of their time i don't you know you'd only see this in between matches on other programs this is like during the match like they'll do a move yeah and then they'll clip to the audience reacting to it it's like kevin dunn was watching this a young bucky toothed kevin dunn was like i'm gonna do this one day give us a little patience we this is what we have to work with you know we're dealing with this (laughs) The crowd is making it seem better, though. It's not... Here's the thing. It's not horrible, in a sense, but there's only so much punching you can watch six guys do. And, you know, we always talk about how work rate isn't, like, the number one thing. It's not. But, like, this is excessive. Like this is This is over the line with the punching. And, And it's long. Yeah, it's like, I like wrestling to tell a story in the ring, but, like, this isn't... tell. This is just... It's like a slap fight. Like it really it's, it's is nothing. It's just not. It's not really gelling. You know what yeah. I mean? They're they're not doing anything wrong. They're not botching stuff. Yeah, it's just boring even yeah. though the crowd's into it it's boring right oh and there's judo chops too they finally mixed it up <laughs> it's judo know, chops instead of slap chops or whatever and the or big pork, pork chops. chops yeah the big high spot and we're not kidding was a sunset flip by adidas seriously yeah, i couldn't believe it and i i hate his name because it seems like he should be better than that <laughs> what do you mean by that because with adidas it's like i don't know he sounds like a superstar like brian, brian and adidas, adidas right yeah. I will say this. He did do the only different move in this match, so he is the superstar technically. (laughs) But there is... We'll get to better people. Oh, there's better people. In the meantime, Kabuki nails Adidas in the face with his knee, like his jumping knee. I actually really like this. So the way this plays out is like Adidas is getting like mauled by the mall. No, not the mauler. It's not. It's not when the NWO came. It's by Magic Dragon. Yeah, by Magic Dragon. So Magic Dragon is kind of just wrestling him, like doing the typical slap chop bullshit, and then like just randomly from like the outside the frame, like Kabuki just like knees him in the face from the top rope, and it like knocks him out, and he gets a win. Yeah, and basically, I think Kabuki was like, I've had enough of this shit. You know, like I'm ending this match. Quinn, you had a problem by the way with Bronco. Goes ref counting style the whole match. Yeah, so this guy is like the daintiest counter I've ever seen. So what he does is he gets on his like just his knees, but he's still like standing up. 
like his 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 he's like up on his knees and he and he and he puts his hand like he bends it like in like a L shape. Yeah. And then like it's kind of like yeah. he's bending over to pet a ferret. Yeah, you know? <laughs> it's like he's petting something at his right. niece's house. You probably didn't even hear me counting just now because I, the, the, I was, was doing dainty. the petting. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was trying to be dainty like he was. <laughs> Back to Bill Mercer, who throws to Fritz in one studio and Ric Flair in another with a satellite hookup, and they're going to be talking about this alleged bounty Quinn that Flair put on Kerry Von Erich. Right. So there is a bounty. Allegedly. Allegedly. I, I I mean, I doubt that's real. I'm just saying. <laughs> Flair denies the whole thing and says that he's the world champion. He's wealthy. He wears the best clothes. He dates the most beautiful women. I will never admit to this. I'm the world heavyweight champion. I'm one of the wealthiest ath- athletes alive. I wear the finest clothes, date the most beautiful women, driving the biggest cars, and I'm the toughest piece of work in pro wrestling. Basically, fuck you, Fritz. I love this. This yeah, is the best this part, is the best of, the part show. of the show. Yeah. Fritz, then, from the other studio, says that Flair's a moron <laughs> and that his son, Kerry, should be the champion. Now, Flair says, hey, hey, assuming I even paid this bounty, which I didn't, you know, yeah. he, I had a good reason to. Fritz calls him a moron again and says he would choke him out if they were in the same they're, studio. They're really taking advantage of this satellite, as yeah. they call it. <laughs> right. Yeah. So Flair starts to get really worked up and in the yelling mode. And in the meantime, Fritz says this whole thing is asinine and that his son, Kerry, is going to win. Uh, why is he going to win just because it's an asinine feud? Like, I, I, I don't guess. really get that. I don't know. But, but in the meantime, Flair is yelling. He's like, I don't mind bleeding. He's going to stay champ. Right. He's, Woo. he's basically saying he doesn't mind getting dirty to defend his the livelihood, title. as he calls yep, it. Yep. The title, his livelihood. He's going to win. Yeah. Awesome segment. It was good. It was, a, you know, it was a very simple thing, but mm-hmm. it, it was effective. It did what it needed to do. Split screen interview. Also very ahead of its time. WWF would yeah. do those about 10 years In later. In the mid 90s. Yeah. I, I feel like. You know, face to face interviews they used to do. This yeah. was awesome. So our main event, yes, a main event of a one hour show. Yes, and they call it that. They too. do. Yeah, we forgot to mention at the beginning they gave us the card as they, they did. Called it. Yes, they they ran down the entire card. Yeah, nicely done. The main event, Quinn, is the American champion Kevin Von Erich against King Kong Bundy, non non title match. You called Kevin Von Erich the Huck Finn of wrestling. Yeah, so he comes in here. He's got no shoes on. Yeah, he looks like a a, a man kid. Like, not a man-child, but right. he's more of a kid. Bill Mercer says that Kevin Von Erich wrestles barefoot because it feels better. Kerry Von Erich wrestles one foot. Because it feels better for him, <laughs> I guess. I They're throwing it in my face at this point. Like, this is like... Yeah, the jokes were flowing, This folks. is This is ridiculous. It's like, his brother literally has half a foot, and he's out there wrestling barefoot. <laughs> and I understand that the foot got cut off later because of drugs or something no, you're in the motorcycle oh, accident sorry excuse me <laughs> no that you, was another re- thing <laughs> what, what what drug is there that you take where you have to cut your foot off because uh, of it tenactin <laughs> i don't know whoo <laughs> <sighs> Okay, so Bun- Bundy has white boots on, oddly enough. Yeah, you, didn- you didn't like that. There's so much footwear problems <laughs> here. Like, Yeah, I know. Maybe David, I need a haircut Manning, should be working at Foot Locker. He <laughs> could have with his garb. I know. It did look- didn't it look like he was wearing... <laughs> yes! Now that you bring that up, I'm like thinking about it, and he definitely looked like an employee at Foot Locker. In the 70s, though, In- not even the yeah, 80s. exactly. <laughs> so they fight over a wrist lock. 
This is the big main event. This, you is, said, this Gwen. is the big one, boy. <laughs> Non-title big one. Bill Mercery yeah. actually says it's the pride of who is stronger <laughs> on the wrist lock. Yeah. And then Bundy breaks out. And a battle right now for the pride of who is stronger on the wrist lock. And I say no shit. He's big bong. He's big bong Bundy. <laughs> King Kong. King Kong Bundy. Of course he's going to break out. Excuse me, folks. <laughs> King Kong Bundy. He's bigger, so yes. why wouldn't he break out? I don't know. Big knee and chops and punches by Kevin. And this is where I notice, Quinn, Bundy's not treated like a monster here. He's just used the avalanche as a transitional move. Mm-hmm. And Kevin, like, almost no-sold it. Like, he quickly took control again. It's just very interesting because Bundy in the WWF, yeah. right, was portrayed as a monster. His avalanche killed people right yes he he broke hogan's ribs he was a main eventer here he's trading wrist locks and doing rest holds and like wrestling with kevin von eric and it, and kevin von eric might be around the same height but he's not the same weight as bundy and i have to say <laughs> it is quite ironic that in the scope of the von eric family that it was Kevin Von Erich, of all people, to come up a foot short in his career. It's <laughs> amazing. So Bundy gets some punches and a double chin lock, which Kevin reverses and puts a claw on him. <sighs> Here we go. The claw. What, do they all know it? That's yeah, what you were saying. It, it annoys me. Even Lacey knows it. Oh, yeah. Lacey. So King Kong Jobber here bails to the outside as Mercer name drops Hiro Matsuda for some <laughs> yeah, godforsaken no, out of reason. Nowhere. Oh, Hiro Matsuda. I'm like, what, what that guy about? in the four horsemen that sucked? <laughs> Crowd chants, we want the claw. I can't even believe they're chanting that because that move sucks. No one wants the claw. No one ever wants the claw. Mercer's just rambling on about anything but this match. This yeah. is not good. But Bundy catches him in a big bear hug, and Mercer says, a bear hug by the bald one. That I like that line, that actually. They, they do have a lot of women in the audience, I'll say that. You're because right. Because you can tell, like, we didn't say this, but Kevin Von Erich is in really good shape. He is. And I was thinking this afterwards. I mean, do you think, like, I, I've heard it said on the DVD that the Von Erichs were pushed because of their looks, partially. partially not, ju- yeah. not just because of the family thing. Obviously the family thing, but... No, but they were like teen heartthrobs in yeah, a way. Yeah, so I, they clearly were bringing the women in because there was a lot of women in this crowd, like mm-hmm. more so than usual in a wrestling crowd. Absolutely right, 100% right. And younger young, women. young women. Not, Teens, 20s, yeah, you we're know? Not, we're not talking about stunt grannies or anything here. <laughs> or that lady in the blue dress at WrestleMania that cries yeah. or whatever. <laughs> well, she was a bit middle-aged. <laughs> so we get a chin lock now by Bundy. What what is this? A 1993 Shawn Michaels Bundy match. Bundy is the Shawn Michaels of w- WCCW here. So the crowd cheers on Kevin as Bundy is visually calling spots in this chin lock. Did see, I didn't really notice that. Yeah, and you said this match sucks too. Yeah, it, it does. Do, it, 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 it's the main event. It's not very good. Nothing's really been that good wrestling wise. So the ref gets bumped over the ropes with this awesome sell, like this melodramatic sell by David Manning, and then Bundy tosses Kevin over the top rope to the outside, which is illegal and. NWA rules, but the ref didn't see it. Here we go with this. You love these rules. I hate this because he tosses him over the rope, right? And mm-hmm. and get to get to the ending here. Like okay, d- d- I'll I'll explain the whole thing. So then he brings him in. Bundy does with a vertical suit play, and he gets a three count. Right. Okay. So here's the deal. So he throws him over the rope, right? Yes. I can get why that's illegal. That makes sense to the, the outside onto the... the cement, right? But they're acting like him suplexing him over the top rope was also like wrong or Which something. I don't think it is, right? They, I don't think it is either. But here's the deal: even if he suplexed him in the ring, he would have cleared that rope. So why is this dangerous? That's a very good point. Yeah, he it's... didn't 
hurt him any more by suplexing him into the ring. Which also makes you wonder, why is the over-the-top rope even a thing anyway? If you hip-toss somebody, they go higher than that rope. It's so low. <laughs> you know, that's a very fair point. I don't know what the NWA board of directors, you know, why they had that rule. What was that guy's name? Dan Kazuzuki. Dennis Coraluzo, yes. Yeah, whatever. Dan Kazuzuki. <laughs> yeah. You got it right. He was <laughs> hanging out with Hiromatsuda. Well, the, the All Asian Championship and yes. all that. So. <laughs> so Bundy gets a three count with that, but shouldn't that be a five count? Well, I don't think he was doing that here, but. Should have been. <laughs> Regardless, Bundy wins and he says he's the true champion. So Bill Mercer recaps tonight's card, says Bundy stole his victory. Come on, I dude. I like the recap, by the way. I did too. It was no, like. I am a fan of that. It's like every week when our friend Donnie, when we see him, he recaps our episode from the day. Right. To us. Yes. <laughs> As if we don't know what we talked about. He, Donnie is the Bill Mercer of OVP <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Next week, Quinn, David Von Erich is going to face the all Asian heavyweight champion, the Great Kabuki. Yeah, and I, I apologize, everyone. I was the spoiler. Yes. When I just mentioned the all-Asian yes. heavyweight title. David whatever. Von Erich is going to fight the Great Kabuki for the all-Asian heavyweight championship. Now, didn't... No, Kevin just lost, Kevin right? lost, okay. yeah. But this is nepotism. Why yeah. are all the Von Erichs always getting the title shots? Yeah. I, Come on! I don't know. They're champions or... It's know. not fair. And, this is nepotism. And is King Kong Bundy now, like, number one contender? He beat... Well, he probably isn't because he's not a Von, He's not King Kong Von Erich, so... <laughs> He's probably got to earn that. <laughs> we roll credits, literally. Yes, like long credits, too. Long credits. And they do something cool here, by the way, just to mention. Mm -hmm. they, they, like, do this, like, inverted color thing. Yeah. Like, for the credits of, like, the, the matches that happened. Yeah, it was fine. It was a little ahead of its time. Yeah, pretty cool. Yep. Overall, that wasn't good. No, it wasn't. I'm um, sorry, it wasn't. And I understand that we're kind of reviewing this before it got hot. Right. But nothing was really going on here. No. Other than the improved production quality. Absolutely. And I think we would both agree that the best part of the show, naturally, was Ric Flair. Yes. It was nice to see Ric Flair. He really brought a shot of vitality to this. Yeah, it's he did what the... Um, traveling world champion should do mm -hmm. and he brought like you said vitality to a promotion that's mm -hmm. a little stagnant yep albeit making it strides in a business aspect with oh, the production hell yeah but he brought he injected a little livelihood and i mean that's what michael hayes was really brought in to do and ultimately to, to 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 camp out there and stay there and mm -hmm. do that and he did and you know that i have my misgivings about him in general but i'll tell you what Michael Hayes and the Freebirds was the best thing to happen to this promotion. Yeah. Because there's only so far you could ride the coattails of every single fucking Von Erich. And the Kabukis. Without, yeah, exactly. Without having a good counterpoint. And the yeah. Freebirds were that counterpoint. Unfortunately, this episode was right before that time. So we didn't quite get a taste of the yeah, we good world class. We weren't sure the date of that. No, we just I picked didn't know this kind of randomly. Yeah, we just kind of picked randomly. But, um, you know, it, it was fun to to peek into yep. to see what world class was before absolutely even it, though it was by accident but it, still was interesting yeah it was worth a shot it wasn't bad at all and folks as always we appreciate you giving us a shot yeah we love talking to you about the world of retro wrestling and we want to talk to you more about it so be sure to tune in next week you can subscribe to us on itunes and leave us a review quinn yeah 
That'd be um, great. You just go on there and hit the review button. That's right. We Type would love that. Type it in there. Follow us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. We want to keep getting your suggestions, so you can email them to us. Or you can go to our Facebook group, check out the spreadsheet, and let us know what you want us to talk about. We'll be happy to do it. Yeah, we love the suggestions. And as you can see from this show, we get a lot of ideas from them. We do, and we would love to continue to get some ideas from you. So in the meantime, folks, have a good rest of your day. Have a good rest of your week, and we will see you next week for episode number 44. So long, everybody. See ya. Fritz, what's your response to that now? In there somewhere was an answer, but I'm not sure exactly what he said, except he would not admit it. Bill, I've always had trouble responding to morons in the first place. This guy doesn't make any sense at all. He's only defending himself for an action that he knows that he that took place. There's no question about that. This is... This proof would stand up in any court in the United States, and it certainly did stand up with the National Racing Alliance. This man represents the belt of the National Racing Alliance, which is the largest racing organization in the world, by far the biggest. He is the symbol carrier. This man wears the belt and says, I'm the best in professional wrestling. When my son, Kerry, should be the world champion right now, there's no question about it. Kerry Von Erich will soon have him back in this ring and with the stipulations right now that have been added as a result of the proven conspiracy of Ric Flair should be very shortly the new world heavyweight champion.